Welcome to Faith Fondue, a new podcast featuring me, author and speaker Haley DiMaria, and teacher and blogger Ann Strickers. Faith Fondue will feature a melting pot of topics, ignited by a flame, our faith, and guided by the Holy Spirit. It's the week of May 16th, the seventh week of Easter, the solemnity of the Ascension of our Lord. Good morning, Anne. Good morning, Haley, and welcome to our listeners. Today, we are going to talk about rituals and events such as moving up mass, confirmation, Haley and my high school experience (laughs) as related to some of those transitional kind of, like I said, rituals Um, at this time of year. Uh, Jesus's message as he evangelized to the disciples as we prepare for Pentecost next week. And one of both of our favorite prayers, come Holy Spirit. So Haley, tell me, I think you are traveling. In fact, I know you're traveling because I um, I get to see you in South Bend here. Yeah, absolutely. I know we, uh, we've we both been on the road. And, you know, because of that, we're actually taping this episode a little bit early. Um, so this past week was Ascension Thursday. It was um, and was also the, the Feast of Our Lady of Fatima, which I'll talk about in our spiritual stew. But Ascension Thursday was always a really exciting day at Xavier College Prep, where I went to high school and also where I taught for for five years after I graduated from college. And Xavier was a real um, place of formation for my faith personally. Um, You know, I had wanted to convert to Catholicism when I was in high school as a student, and my parents um, asked me not to. You know, they asked me to wait. They wanted me to um, I think they, they wanted me to convert for the right reason and not just because all my friends were Catholic. And, and, and that was certainly a, 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 the right thing to do. But I did end up going through the RCIA process when I was back at Xavier as a teacher. So the, the faith piece is, is really important to me when I think about my high school. But Ascension Thursday was always a really fun mass at Xavier. And I, I think this all plays into what why I was so called to the Catholic Church, because there was real joy in going to Mass and, and celebrating it, um, even though this is a solemn Mass, you know, where Jesus is ascending into heaven. But moving up Mass, which is what we called it at Xavier on Ascension Thursday, was a time we celebrated our seniors. Um, so, of course, we're, we're honoring and celebrating the Ascension and learning about the importance of that. But at Xavier, we went to Mass in our gym, in our school gym. So if you think of bleachers on two sides of the courts, Uh, that we had two classes on each side. So freshmen, sophomores, juniors, seniors. But on Ascension Thursday during moving up mass, the seniors would sit on chairs on the floor. So they were being honored and recognized. It was the last time as students that we would celebrate mass together as a community with our seniors. And the rest of the students got to move sections. So they were moving up in grades. So the freshmen then sat in the sophomore section sophomores sat in the juniors juniors and the seniors and it it was it was a big deal you know the freshmen were no longer freshmen and the juniors were now sitting in this you know the coveted senior location and um it was it just really got the girls excited and myself too about going to mass and the particip- the per- participation excuse me um at that mass was always really engaging um, so again, that moving up mass is, it, I think of it every May, 
Um, I miss it. It's one of the things that I really do miss about working at a Catholic school is is having the those traditions in a in a you know a faith standpoint you know integrated into part of the day. Um, but it it makes me smile and think back to a place that was so meaningful to me. So moving up Mass and Ascension Thursday. Um, we're, we're just this past week at Xavier, and, and I know they're still singing the same songs that we sang. Oh, as, you know, as a high school teacher and as a Catholic, I, I just love um, so much about kind of that recollection, Haley. Um, it's funny, the name, just moving up day. It's so, it's so simple, right? It's not fancy. Right. You know, I, I don't know if at a Jesuit high school, we, we would have given it some Latin name or something. But, you know, moving up day, literally moving up. So... That is important for young people. I really believe that, like that physical, like the visual sign. And that's a huge part of being a Catholic are the signs, you know, sacraments point to something. So the moving of that and what that means and the excitement and that honestly, that a high school liturgy could be joyful. Oh, I just, that is maybe, you know, maybe my students would hear that differently now after, a, you know, over a year of not being able to gather as a community for, right. um, because we have masses fairly regularly at St. Francis. I really love that. I mean, we, we, we don't, we do the holy days as a school. I've been at schools where holy days are not compulsory, um, which you would think that they would be part of a school community, but that's changed in recent times. Um, so it's, it's awesome to hear kind of what that meant and how it formed you. And that would be part of the reason why you would be drawn to the Catholic church. And I've heard that you said you wanted to like convert in high school and that your parents said, wait, but it's funny because, you know, you can know someone and hear things differently every time. Like for like today, I was like, wow, that's, that's really interesting. Like, I wonder how many of the young people I work with have really thought about that. Um, so, you know, it just kind of hit me a little bit differently today to hear you kind of share that. That's inspiring. So the Holy Spirit was at work. The That's Holy beautiful. Spirit is always at work. But yes, it's, um, you know, I think you'd find um, there, there is a particular song and I won't sing it, um, <laughs> but it's thy, it, 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 the words are thy word is the lamp unto thy feet. Oh, and yeah. Yeah. That's one of my favorite songs. I, Amy Grant does an awesome yes, job on that. she does. Yeah. And you yes. will link that in our show notes. But that is yeah. what um, we sing at Xavier before the gospel. Oh. And let me tell you, there is not a student in there who is not singing at the top of her lungs. It is one of the most, anyone who went to Xavier, Catholic or not, they know that song. They probably still sing it in their head. Um, It's it's really, yeah. Xavier did an awesome job of capturing, um, you know, really knowing teenage girls and what will kind of draw Mm -hmm. them in. And they do that really well. Yeah. Yeah. That is very important in the community too, to have a song that binds you in that way. Um, at St. Ignatius, there was, it was in particular after 9-11, Jesus, give us your peace. And I, and then the song changed over the years to another song, but it is very important um, to have that touch point. And yeah. that's such a beautiful passage of scripture. So I think we should share this episode with Savior High School and, um, you know, they might celebrate that you even all these years later you know have called it out absolutely yep i think a lot of us do (laughs) yeah you know i've always wondered a little bit um my high school wasn't all that dissimilar so i am not as familiar with xavier your high school but i am more familiar with brophy only because 
Brophy College Prep, which is the boys' school adjacent to Xavier, it was in the California province. Now, Jesuits have realigned, and they're the Jesuit West, but the California province was just a smaller number of schools, and the religious studies faculty at St. Ignatius, where I worked, was very close Mm -hmm. with um, a number of faculty members there, and then Bob Ryan, uh, the principal, is a friend of mine. He was a year behind me at Notre Dame, so we got to visit, and um, we just did a lot of collaborative work. So that's my context for knowing Brophy, but I'm on their campus and it smells, you know, sniffs. It, I just I smell. It's not that not literally because it's a boys' school and there's a lot of sports, but um, it reminded me of my high school, Crondelet and De La Salle. And Crondelet is the all-girls school founded by the Sisters of Saint Joseph. It's about 800 girls in Concord, California. Across the street is De La Salle, Christian Brothers, so two administrations, but truly one student body. And I say that not just because, you know, you have siblings that go to each school, parents are paying tuition at each school or not, but because your junior and senior year, everything's co-ed. So for us, it wasn't, and I, most schools aren't like that. So we didn't have like this true experience of all girls because there was always boys on campus, but then the outside world perceives they're like, oh, well, you went to an all-girls school, and and I did. Like, my graduation was separate, my yearbook was separate, you know, I wore Crondelet on my jersey, um, but maybe for track, we we competed at De La Salle, so it was a tension, it was was great, but it was also a tension because we always kind of felt like we were in their shadow um, mm. only because, you know, and I'm sure knowing Brophy a little bit, but like De La Salle is the subject of the movie when the game stands tall. They had like the longest winning streak in football, in high school football history. You know, they're so dominant, but hello. So it's the same gene pool, same parents <laughs> support. Crondelette was downright awesome too. So we hold our ground. We have our rituals. Um, and I loved my high school experience, but I always felt like, hmm, I don't know. There was something that it was just, it's different. It's what I knew. So when I hear about Xavier and Brophy, I wonder, okay, so what would have been similar? What would have been different? You know, that's really interesting. We, um, because in, in many ways it, it's very, this very similar, right? They're brother, sister school. They're right next to each other. We shared classes, not fully co-ed junior, senior year. Um, but you know, we offered classes that Brophy didn't, and there were constantly students going back and forth between the two campuses every class period during every grade, you know, not just junior and senior year. Um, but from the standpoint of, and and we actually were run by very different um, administrations. You know, Brophy is Jesuit and Xavier is diocesan. So we were, oh, a, a, we were, right, okay. we're a member of the diocese. Uh, you know, we were diocesan school. And, you know, Brophy is Jesuit. So, again, very different in terms of how they're run. Sure. Um, But I will say it's interesting to hear you talk about kind of the the brother's little sister, almost like stepsister. I don't mean to say that, but um, I never felt that at Xavier. And I don't think, I'm not sure any, yeah, that that wasn't part of it. Um, Yeah. But I also think it, it had to do with the fact that Xavier, um, for many years, was the only all-girls Catholic school in Phoenix. It might still be. I know there's other co-ed Catholic high schools yeah. that have popped up. Right. But um, for a long time, it was really Brophy and Xavier. And then there was St. Mary's in downtown Phoenix. But you know, Phoenix was a small, small town until just recently. 
So yeah. there weren't that many Catholic school options. And in terms of Catholic schools, you know, Xavier dominated women's sports. Um, so they were very well known for their yeah. women's programs. And yep. Brophy does too, um, but they they were always talked about pretty equally. Um, you know, I, I'm fascinated by the fact that you say that, and I'm really going to have to think on it and stew on it a little bit because, you know, even going to Notre Dame at a time that we did when it was still 30, 70, 35, yep. 65, right? Yep. I actually never felt that either. I never felt like I was at a school where um, I was in the minority, um, right. even though it wasn't, you know, a minority like the women who went in the 70s it, we were Correct. still not it was not equal in terms of you know the ratio of men to women so it's interesting that i went to a high school where we were very considered very equal to our brother's school um that i guess i didn't even know it was an option so i guess i went to college not even realizing that there was this gender inequity that you know in many ways we're still trying to catch up on um but clearly not at my high school so kudos to xavier again for um, just putting us out there and, and making sure that we were celebrated as much as the guys. No, absolutely. And believe me, the, the sisters of St. Joseph Condolette, they held on tight to the fact that, you know, by being an all-girls school, we could have leadership positions for girls. Yes. Um, it wasn't a default to the guys or whatnot. Um, they really believed in, you know, obviously supporting women, young women and, um, there was real beauty in it, but I, I do remember being at Notre Dame and feeling like, okay, I don't have to defend like mm -hmm. where I am anymore. Other than in the Bay area, sometimes people would ask me if I went to Notre Dame Belmont, which is a small school. And I was like, um, I mean, this is the nineties. So it's not like people weren't going away to college. <laughs> um, and that it was co-ed for a good, you know, 20 years. So it's like, there are women there at this point in our experience. And I, I can recall, Patty O'Hara at my freshman orientation saying, you know, this is the largest class of females. It's 44% female. Um, so I just remember feeling like at ease, like I am part of this and I'm not having to explain to people wh what I do or where I go. Um, you know, and across the street, obviously St. Mary's, um, there's a number of women there that probably had the experience of, you know, the Crondelette student. Like, no, I go to my own school. And right. many of those women chose St. Mary's because they offer programs that Notre Dame didn't, for example, nursing or education or whatnot. Um, yep. You know, just to be candid, a lot of Notre Dame women sometimes don't, uh, you know, appreciate St. Mary's women because they feel like, you know, it's like a judgmental thing. Like, well, you didn't get into Notre Dame. You know, there's all of that. I mean, that's part of the mix, right? Absolutely. But they're stealing our guys and, you know, all of it. So <laughs> you kind of have to address that as well. So there's that tension. But um, yeah, it's just questions of like what we, you know, you and I grew up at a Notre Dame that that was part of the history, but, and we'd seen the remnants of it like where men would come into Farley Hall and be like, I lived here, mm -hmm. you know, and that will obviously just kind of, it's been Fade moving out. on since that time yes. and, and whatnot. So um, it's fun just to kind of share high school experiences. I would say as a pretty boy, crazy freshman, sophomore girl, we wanted those classes. There was like, 
because everything, it wasn't until junior, senior year. So you could take Italian and right. that was co-ed. You knew what classes or some people had typing. I mean, we had typing class, obviously. <laughs> Not keyboarding. It was typing. Right. On and a typewriter. Some people's section was co-ed. Oh my goodness. You know, so um, yeah, fun to think about that. But it um, is. I hope that was a meaningful liturgy for those uh, young women and um those are important. This this is such a rich time of year um, for schools because, of, you know, it is. Uh, and next week, I look forward to talking a little bit more about graduation or commencement, as we call it. Um, but yeah, I speaking of kind of rituals and um, sacraments, I am in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. for my niece. She's also my goddaughter, Grace. It's her confirmation. So she'll be confirmed on Sunday um, at St. Peter's in Capitol Hill. And so when I moved to D.C. after ACE, the teaching program, I lived with my brother for one year. And I have to say, I really I just love Capitol Hill. It's such a great neighborhood. Um, he's on the southeast or the house side, as they call it. And yeah. St. Peter's has always been our parish there. So I went to mass with him there. I moved out to Alexandria and lived with some ACE people the other two years. But for that year and then my brother has since stayed in Capitol Hill. He works on the hill, so it's very convenient. But my niece has really had an experience of parish, and I think that that's really um, such a gift for a child or a family. Um, she was had her first communion there, um, her confirmation there. They have there's events that take place there. For example, like there's a St. Patrick's Day um, parish wide event. I can think of so many Easter's I've gone to there, and then Easter egg hunts that the parish has done. So um, looking forward to celebrating that day with her and just grateful I was able to to make it out here. Uh, my first time flying since January of 2020. So. Oh my gosh. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like anything, right? I'm sure our listeners will understand. You, it's like, you don't miss, it's like, you don't miss beat. It's you're right back at it. Right. right? Um, especially at this point with so many people being vaccinated or not, as the people next to me had um, talked about for quite a bit, their <laughs> decisions not to be vaccinated, but um, yeah, easy, not easy. Travel's never necessarily easy. I stopped through Denver, but um, good to be on the road and and able to be here. Yeah, well, certainly coast to coast travel is is not yeah. easy. No. And um, yeah. and you know, you don't take don't take for granted the fact that it you jumped right back into it. Um, I do know people who. Um, are are still fearful to to travel and to get back on a plane. Um, so right. mm-hmm. so we're we're fortunate that we um, don't have sort of carry that burden. Um, but I'm glad you can be there. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'll miss you. Of course, the one time you're in my neck of the woods on the East Coast, no. I'm not yes. there. Um, but as we move on to our spiritual stew, you know, part of why I'm not there is um, showed up in the gospel this week. It showed up, you know, in my study of the saints. Um, you know, we, this week in Mark's gospel, we hear Jesus's proclamation to us to evangelize. And, you know, in Mark's words, he says, Jesus said to his disciples, go into the world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. So I thought about this a lot because I was in Chicago this week, um, for a part of this week, I am back to, or at least this week went back to in-person talks. So speaking live, I've done, um, I've given talks over the past year over Zoom. Um, this is my first time traveling, you know, back on the road to speak. And it, it, 
it it was great. You know, Anne, you're a teacher, so you've been teaching over Zoom, but yet you also teach in person, and there is such a difference. You know, so speaking and presenting is no different, right? I can speak on Zoom and I can share my message and my words are the same, but speaking in person to a live group is just mm. so much better and and really mm. so much more powerful, you know, especially when I'm talking about the topic that I am where, you know, I talk about my paralysis and my recovery and, you know, to see me actually standing there is is yeah. really powerful for, you know, the my audience. But these two groups that I spoke at, um, you know, were really are designed to do what Jesus asks us in these gospels. Um, so those, so part of what they are called to do, one is a legatus group, one was a group called Servi Christi. They are called to evangelize. So they are called and gather together to be inspired by stories, be inspired by their speakers. Um, every every evening follows the same format. It's confession, a rosary, mass, dinner, speaker. And then to take the message that they hear in this group when they gather together as Catholics into their professional lives. So it's a business-focused group. Um, they're all business professionals, and it's really a way for them to integrate faith into their workplace um, and to really do work in terms of you know, through the lens of being Catholic. So, so both of these groups were called to evangelize, um, which I just thought was kind of neat as I was listening to the gospels this week. Um, but it was another thing that was really interesting for me is on <clears throat> Thursday, which of course is Ascension Thursday. So I was thinking of my time at Xavier. Um, I was at mass and the priest, the priest at the Servi Christi mass, Servi Christi mass <clears throat> was talking about how it was the feast of our lady of Fatima which I didn't know, which really surprised me. And it's not that I didn't trust the priest, but I did look it up to make sure that it was truly the Feast Good of Our Lady checking. of Fatima. Yes. And not during Mass, but afterwards. And, you know, I, I have taken such an interest in Our Lady of Fatima this past year because of the movie that just came out that I just love and have talked about. And it's such, I know I've said this before, it is a beautiful movie. Just the cinematography is 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 beautiful. Whether you are interested in the story or not, it's just a beautiful yep. story, a, and a, a beautiful movie, but also a beautiful story. Um, but the interesting thing about what this priest shared during his homily, so Servi Christi face, um, focuses a lot on the family and the importance of family in um, in our religion. And actually, just on a side note, he was saying that. Um, what he has found through his study as a priest is if it is not important in a family, if it is not important for the father to attend church services, eventually the children won't either. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. he had seen that in his own life. It wasn't until his own yeah. father converted to Catholicism that yep. his dad really engaged in the mass and it became mm -hmm. more of a family celebration. So, yep. you know, in a religion where we are so you know, it, we're such a Marian religion, right? We're so focused on Mary. We may, are very reverent to Mary, as we should be. She's the mother of God. Yeah. Um, but the importance of St. Joseph in yeah. the role of the family and how important it is for our families um, yeah. to have that paternal role model in the faith Yep. Um, you know, we were, it, it's, it's, it's critical to kind yeah. of solidifying the children's, um, 
willingness and to engage and go to mass. So the one thing he shared, going back to my story of Our Lady of Fatima, is that St. Joseph appeared in one of the apparitions at Fatima. No idea. I yeah. didn't either. I and amazing. I have been a little busy since, you know, in the last kind of 36 hours since I heard that in Mass, so I have not had time to dig into it. Um, it's not in my recollection in the movie, so now I need to watch the movie again to see yep. if he is there. But it was, again... Um, you know, this priest in his homily was talking about that is how important, you know, the role of Jesus was that he showed, or the, excuse me, the role of St. Joseph, that he shows up in this apparition. And, you know, to make that statement as Mary is appearing to these young children, you know, the role of the family. And um, I just... I learned so much from that. I was so fascinated by it. And um, I, I clearly need to still do a little bit more of a study. So it was it was yeah. a great week. It was a beautiful week. It is, you know, in my own way, evangelizing. It's, you know, my story is, is very faith-based. You know, I certainly talk about my conversion, but um, it, it's also a way to share what I consider all of the great parts of our faith, the community, the power of prayer. Um, I'd love to be able to share that message. Yeah, you know, uh, we are all called to evangelize and how we do that is kind of our life story. So, um, you know, you can, like St. Francis, preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. I mean, you know, one of my favorite quotes, but literally, you know, to evangelize is to proclaim. So some of us do that with our message, our personal story, our testimony. So um, a lot to chew on with the stew there. Um, And I have linked the trailer to Fatima. I watched the trailer, Haley. It, it does look like a beautiful film. You know, maybe that's something I'll watch with my nieces. Um, how is it available? It's on Netflix. They okay. actually just released it. So it is the first, right. it is the first movie that has gone from streaming to a theatrical release. Okay. Um, oh, isn't that huh. interesting? Well, because it was yeah. supposed to come out last year yeah. in theaters. And then of course, nobody was going to the yes. theaters. So they did release it um, on the streaming platforms and yeah. then it was picked up by, um, AMC and has just yep. been released in the theaters here. So you can find it online and you can find it in the theaters. Yeah. And the message you talk about the importance of fathers and, um, you know, attending mass, I've heard that before. I, I absolutely think it's true. I know that we live in a society that people would respond to that differently, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that it still can't be true. Right. The importance of a father in general um, for sons and for daughters is just incredible. And, um, you know, there's lots of, I mean, I see ads uh, in the city where I live, like telling people, young people need fathers. I mean, we have to almost have like a national campaign in some ways about just the role of the father and, we can't be afraid to celebrate who they are and what they offer young people. So to hear that linkage to faith, um, it reminded me of a testimony from a student who said, you know, my dad wasn't Catholic and I had no idea until I was like a junior in high school because he always went with them mm. to mass. And I said, that says so much about your dad. Absolutely. Now, I didn't ask, was he receiving the Eucharist or not? I'm not interested in that. <laughs> um you know, but I just thought that that was 
such a powerful testimony about this young person and her family. Um, and I'm intrigued because, you know, about the Holy Family um, and this revelation for me of Joseph being there at Fatima, um, because just this week, um, you know, at the center of St. Francis's campus is the statue of the Holy Family, which I love. Yeah. And I had a great conversation with a colleague about we're trying to create a prayer book for coaches for our campus. And um, the conversation, this, I call him our resident mystic. Um, he is retiring this year, Sal Chavez. What a holy man. And he's such an an incredible force on campus, honestly, just by his like gentleness and his willing, he is like a father to a lot of people, like young men. And I think he delights in that. He is an actual father as well. But I think it's important having male faculty members who are theology teachers as well. We have yes. such a number of them. So I think they offer something. But this conversation took place at um the Holy Family, and he noted that in a follow-up because one of the com one of the things we talked about was intercessory prayer, which we've talked about quite a bit um, on the show. And I wanted to share this quote from Mother Teresa that Sal sent me and followed up for our stew. Um, and the quote says, "I used to believe that prayer changes things, but now I know that prayer changes us, and we change things." So, you know, last week when I was talking about Ronner and the defense of petitionary prayer, I mean, Mother Teresa nailed it there. We are the ones who, right, yes. change things. And yes. through prayer, that's all possible. So um, I think it's very appropriate that that conversation took place at, in the, you know, in the midst of the Holy Family, because, um, yeah, he's just a big part of why I love the St. Francis family. Well, and I think I found my takeaway this week, you know, as you were talking about your colleague, Sal, and you said, you know, he's such a holy man. Um, you know, you often, that, that, that to me is the ultimate compliment, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's saying that he lives and acts and speaks his faith consistently, right? Mm -hmm. All the time. Because if he was holy sometimes, but made snarky comments other times, you probably wouldn't say that, right? Kind of like you and I. So the snark has to come in every does. episode. So what, what a great takeaway. I mean, the ultimate compliment, I think, for me would be for someone to say, what a holy person. What wow. a, right? I mean, that, that, yeah. that's a good goal. Uh, yeah, it's a tough one. Right. It's a lofty one. Um, but it doesn't mean that we couldn't strive to be that way today and yeah. then wake up tomorrow and try to live our life that way tomorrow. I mean, living my life that way for the rest of my life seems a little overwhelming. Um, yeah. but that doesn't mean that shouldn't be the goal. Yeah. So what a great reminder every day. And, you know, it's probably yeah. no different than the, the tchotchke, you know, WWJ. D, what, what would Jesus do? You know, those bracelets that people yeah. wore, you know, I can see the wisdom in that now, right? Oh, it, for sure. What a I mean, great a reminder moral... every day. How would Jesus respond to this? Yeah. I, I, you know, I was not as deep into my faith and it wasn't as important or foundational to me when that whole kind of campaign, I'm not sure who started it, came through, but, um, you know, I'm going to, how would Sal act? What would Sal say? What would Sal think? Um, I would be the first to be like, no, no, no. <laughs> he, 
he um, he loves theology. So he's a great person to just share those ideas with. And um, as a moral issues teacher, I would say I resent, you know, capitalism for co-opting WWJD because I literally say that and I have to point to it. And my students now are a little bit younger, so they weren't like swimming in the right. in the, you know, <laughs> the Lance Armstrong bracelet era of WWJD. But, you know, it caught on for a reason because it's naming something that was obviously it struck a chord. I mean, in a moral issue, in a moral situation, you know, to say what would Jesus do and I am, I'm glad to hear you say that you would embrace the descriptor of holy because I'm not sure, I'm not sure other people are there. I'm not sure that I'm even there, Haley. Like I thought of Thomas Merton's quote, to be a saint is to be myself. You know, that, that was his belief, like to be yourself. So for me, that means, you know, embracing the snark, <laughs> but also like the generosity or kindness. Like it's, it's both of those things that like, you know, I think that'd be a great conversation. How does all of that, you know, equal holiness? And um, I don't have the answer to that, but I, I like the question. So um, some things for us to chew on in our stew. So, okay, you have your takeaway. Um, this is in preparation as well for um, next week, which is Pentecost. But I also want to, so I want to think about, and I want to pray, come Holy Spirit. So spoiler alert, next week when we talk about commencement, Haley's going to talk about those three words, and they were the same favorite words of Father Ted Hesburgh. He taught us that prayer. Um, I mean, I knew the prayer before. It's not that he taught us that prayer. He just taught us emphatically to say those three words Mm -hmm. as um, when you can throughout your life. So um, I think those are appropriate because when you were talking about your experience of speaking in Chicago and like the in-person, you're talking about the incarnation, right? Like the difference that our presence, our physical presence means. And that is what is so significant thinking ahead. So Jesus ascends body and soul into heaven, but then he comes back, right? For the feast of Pentecost where he breathes on the disciples and literally he's in the flesh. That's why the breath part is, that's the, I mean, that's significant because it's like body and soul. So he breathes on them. He says, put your hands into my wounds. Like, again, the physical manifestation of Christ is again revealed. Um, so I think I might, am I messing the timing up? Because, right, he comes back and does, he confers that on the disciples. So, okay, we're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. And and this yeah. is a, you know, just in the church and in schools and, you know, this May is a busy month. Um, you know, as noted by you traveling and I'm traveling and um, there's just so much to talk about. Um, and, and life can get crazy and busy. So, you know, taking a moment as we move through our day to, to call the Holy Spirit um, or to think about our actions as we are probably rushing through this month and trying to cram in everything in if you're a teacher or a student and wanting to be so present. You know, I'm so glad you can be there in person you know, yeah. for your goddaughter. I'm so glad they are doing confirmations in person. I don't think you right. can't do them. You know, I'm so glad they can gather as a parish and a community and that you can gather as a family as well. So, of course, there was a lot of, you know, a lot of news in the media this week about things opening up and, um, you know, for various reasons and mask mandates lifting and what a hopeful month this is. And, uh, you know, as busy as it is, I do hope that we 
can take the time to take a deep breath, think about, you know, how would Jesus respond to the conversation you were listening to on the airplane um, that, that maybe was unsettling for you? Um, but also to, to just really, you know, take the time to call the Holy Spirit and help us through this month that can, can certainly be really hectic, um, but with, in good ways. Yeah, absolutely. It's the month of Our Lady, so we can call on her as well. And um, it is a, you know, it's a spirited time. And how appropriate is that, you know, because the Holy Spirit is, you know, really working because Jesus confers the Holy Spirit by leaving us. He leaves the Spirit. But then it is the, you know, fire uh, confirmation. It's what, you know, Grace will receive. My niece's name is Grace. She'll receive a gift of the Holy Spirit, right? And then the Spirit is what drives the disciples, the apostles to evangelize. So I think we're, we're on the right track. So come Holy Spirit. And I'm looking forward to, I love commencement. I love graduation. I can't wait to talk about it. I love this year's speaker at Notre Dame. Um, I loved your talk. I've, I've referenced that many times. So looking forward to that conversation next week. Absolutely. Well, Anne, enjoy your goddaughter's um, confirmation. It's a special time. Um, to our listeners, call the Holy Spirit, call Mary, and she will help us through this week until we get together next time. Sounds good. Thanks, Anne. Thank you.